Wash me through and through from my wickedness and cleanse me from my sin. I speak to you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. On this beautiful morning, as our thoughts are turning to all we will be able to do as the weather grows warmer and more people are vaccinated, I regret to tell you that today's readings focus on helplessness. On this beautiful day, as we enter spring, as joy and hope lift in our hearts, I regret to tell you that today's readings focus on hopelessness. On the other hand, on this beautiful day, we are also still in Lent, and I imagine some of us, many of us, know what it is to feel helpless, hopeless. So perhaps we can plunge forward, forward into our psalm where the psalmist decries his sinfulness, begs mercy for offenses. So many offenses the psalmist writes that they are ever before me. Perhaps you recoiled but understood these words as you read them, I have been wicked from my birth, a sinner from my mother's womb. The writer cries out to God, lamenting the inability to do the right thing, to avoid the sinful thing, foreshadowing St. Paul's confession in his letter to the Romans, I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. The writer feels helpless in the face of sin, hopeless of ever changing. And this helplessness, this hopelessness can affect an entire society as it did the people of Jerusalem in the time of the prophet Jeremiah. For years, Jeremiah warned them that despite their correct worship in the temple, they are radically far from God, breaking God's laws since outside the temple they worship idols and they oppress the poor. For years, Jeremiah has thundered that their betrayal will be met with destruction. And in the passage we hear today, that destruction is on their doorstep. The Babylonian army is surrounding the city. Under siege, the people are hungry and frightened, fearing looming violence. They know what awaits them. Destruction of the city and all the institutions that give their lives meaning, death for some separation of families for many, exile for all. And we know that all came to pass as they spent the next 70 years in the exile. In this moment, the people are threatened by a force beyond their control, hopeless, helpless. The truth is, the Bible is shot through with this helplessness, this hopelessness, as individuals err and go astray like lost sheep, as entire people fall away from God, as individuals and communities suffer betrayal and violence and loss. 
and scripture is layered with helplessness and hopelessness because life is layered with helplessness and hopelessness. Our lives, yours and mine. For the optimists among us, this is a hard reality that we don't want to face very often. And yet certainly this past year has revealed just how helpless we are as we faced a virus outside of ourselves, circling the globe in a few weeks time, shutting down individual lives and entire countries and economies. There has been a force outside of ourselves over which we have little control. And within that whirlwind of a virus, we have seen how often we are helpless over our own actions as we failed to follow best health practices because we're tired or we so long to see those we love or because we are suspicious of the science or of those in charge. There are powers, there are powers larger than each one of us, larger than entire societies outside of us. And while we can take some measures here and there to mitigate and fix, snip the edges off of sin and death, we are helpless to combat, to conquer once and for all evil, sin and death. So, what do we do when we are helpless? What do we do when we see there is no help of us helping ourselves? Well, some of us resort to a sort of rigid self-control, controlling our own lives and environment. If my house is perfectly clean, then life is in control. I will control myself through sheer white knuckled will to not take another drink or eat another potato chip or do something else I know I shouldn't do. While we might succeed with those efforts, it's precarious, subject to slipping, subject to slithering sin, worming its way in. Not to mention that when we rigidly discipline ourselves, we often find that rigidity, that judgment emanates outwards as we look down on others who can't seem to manage. If we can control ourselves, why can't they? And if we can't manage self-control when faced with our own helplessness, our unruly wills and affections, then we're very likely to blame others for our sinfulness, lashing out in hopes that we can pry sin's fingers from around our throats. We saw the worst of that this past week as a man beset by a plague of sex addiction violently lashed out, killing innocent people in an attempt to control the uncontrollable. And in that moment, personal sin found its twin in the systemic sins of racism and misogyny, making clear that sin, capital S, is a force within and around us. We are powerless in the face of sin and death. Scripture shows us that again and again as we see God's people fall away from God, turn against God's law, turn against one another. 
though many people believe that God helps those who help themselves, that's nowhere in scripture, but brought to us rather by Benjamin Franklin. And in fact, the opposite is true. God helps those who are helpless, who are hopeless. In other words, us. For we are helpless against the radical power of sin that the psalmist portrays. Only God can have mercy on us. Only God can wash us clean. The psalmist lays out his sins and then begs God to transform him. We are helpless, surrounded by a threatening power as Israel was threatened by the mighty Babylonian army. And it was in that moment that the prophet Jeremiah relented in the chapters known as the Book of Consolation, when he pronounced in the midst of impending destruction that God sees that we cannot keep our covenant or our promises, that God must create a new way for us. The law doesn't change, but now punishment and rewards aren't based on our ability to follow them. Instead, God will transform our hearts themselves, writing God's law of love, not on tablets of stone, but on our very flesh. Beloved, does this offend you? It does me. Surely I should be able to control myself and my unruly affections. Surely my Lenten discipline should have some effect in my life. Surely, as all the Instagram influencers assure me, I should be able to live my best life now through wellness practices of mindfulness and clean eating. Surely I should be able to fix the ills of society through a careful mixture of social media posting and political action. Surely I can judge others on what they have done and left undone. Those who have hurt me, those I find repugnant. But if sin is an outside force, the ruler of this world that worms its way into human nature and the structure of the cosmos itself, that is a radical force with effects far beyond what we can imagine. And frankly, that very sinfulness often keeps us from understanding sin itself, in ourselves or others or our world. And it often guarantees that our attempts to fix sin will often end in ruin for ourselves or others. I need only point to the current mess of our prison system to demonstrate how far wrong we can go in diagnosing the sins of ourselves and society or trying to provide a remedy. No, all we can do, all we can do is cry out like the psalmist, have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness throwing ourselves upon God's mercy and compassion. All we can do is give thanks that our God is relentlessly loving and merciful. No matter how often we fall away, run away, defy God's law, God returns trying new ways, offering new covenants in which God takes all the risks and burdens. All we can do is give thanks when we are besieged by powers outside of our control, 
all we can do is give thanks for Jesus's promise heard today in John's gospel that his cross and passion judge our sin beset world and by his cross and passion the ruler of this world sin and death hopelessness and helplessness will be driven out all we can do is lay down our arms and all pretense of control fall on our knees crying out for mercy and forgiveness, aware of our helplessness, but confident in God's saving help. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.